Thanks for joining us today on RV Tech Talk, a podcast produced by the National RV Training Academy that is devoted to discussing ways to keep RVs in tip-top shape and ways to make money fixing or inspecting recreation vehicles. My name is Greg Gerber, your host for today's show. Today I am speaking with a mobile RV technician from the Chattanooga area of Tennessee, which is where he opted to move after retiring from his career in the tech industry. However, Alan Look was retired for all of five minutes before he realized he needed something to do. He saw tremendous need for RV technicians in the Chattanooga area, and Alan thought it would be a good business he could establish with his brother Kevin. Together, they excelled in courses at the National RV Training Academy when they went through the program in 2022. Alan was impressed by the different types of people from all sorts of backgrounds who were pursuing business opportunities providing mobile tech services and RV inspections. Alan had owned RVs in the past, which is why he knew demand for repair services was very high. That's especially true for technicians who will complete repairs on-site without requiring people to drive their rigs to a repair center. One of the challenges Alan faces as a mobile technician is sometimes having access to resources he needs in the field, especially when cell service is weak and there isn't an internet connection. However, one of the greatest benefits he received from NRVTA training was the ability to connect with 150 to 200 other professionals, which have remained a very beneficial resource for Alan. He describes some of the challenges and rewards of being a small business owner, as well as how the experience has opened his eyes to ways Alan can help other technicians build successful businesses of their own by harnessing the power of technology. To tell us his story, please welcome Alan Look, the roving handyman, to the show. Thank you for joining me today, Alan. I really appreciate your time. So tell us a little bit about you and where you're from. Yeah, thanks for having me, Greg. It's great to be on the show. We're from the Chattanooga area. We cover the greater Chattanooga area for about uh, 30 miles in every direction, depending on who and where we're called. Have you always lived in Chattanooga, or did you see that as a market area to approach once you became an inspector and technician? Funny enough, I moved here when I retired, but I retired for about five minutes before I decided to get into <laughs> the RV technician space. What did you do before you retired? I was a CIO in private, privately held firms and private equity for about 35 years. Okay. So CIO means chief information officer. Very good. So you were a computer geek. Yes, Yes. I was. Okay. And what made you decide to transition into fixing RVs? I saw a great need for it. I had family here in Chattanooga. I lived in Charlotte, Friar, upstate New York, Massachusetts, Maine, got around a lot. Hadn't been close to family, so it was a personal decision to move to Chattanooga and dive into this headlong, spend more time with my brother. It felt like something we could both do and do very well. And I've always enjoyed working with my hands and my mind and providing something that that delights people. From woodworking and other hobbies I've had throughout my lifetime, I, that's where I derive most of my personal satisfaction. So... It, it felt, and it certainly has turned out to be that for, for both of us. So your brother works with you. That's unusual. I've never interviewed somebody who had a partner like that. And what he does. We attended schooling together. We got our certifications together. We were top students together. 
We took every class we could get our hands on and continued to do so out of probably a love for learning. And so the curse of working with family, the, the joy and pleasure and the blessing and the curse of working with family is, is, uh, holds true to this day. We love it. And sometimes we yell at each other like brothers do. And then we pick up our tools and carry on about the business of getting something done for a customer. What is your brother's name? Kevin. Very good. And what did he do before he got into this business as well? He's been a high-end home builder for 40, 40 years. So why did you decide that you wanted to go into fixing RVs? It seemed like there was a tremendous need for it. And I've always enjoyed working with my hands and my mind. I had the idea that it was something that we could be mobile and do, and we're still exploring that, that potential for it. We've gotten so busy, it's hard to get mobile. There's just so many customers and such a need in this area that we're actually looking to have to expand the business just in order to get mobile. So you have a actual repair facility. No, we don't. We are fully mobile at the time. We probably will establish a repair facility, but we'll probably also lather, rinse, and repeat that model. We're looking at investment opportunities and taking this on a broader scale. When did you get your training at NRVTA? Uh, about one year ago. And what are things that really stood out in that training that drew your attention, that caused you to figure something out that you didn't know before? That would be a long list. Probably. <laughs> For me personally, uh, it was electrical theory, Watts law, Ohm's law, the difference between resisted and inductive loads and how bolts and amps either are directly or indirectly related. Quite a bit of uh, learning about propane gained quite a lot of perspective. So I would say beyond the, the actual content of the courses, you actually through meeting 150 other people gain a tremendous perspective for the kinds of people who are going into this work. They have already had full careers in law enforcement or the military or government roles or corporate roles, or they've been in the trades. Many of them have run very successful businesses on their own prior, and they've decided to do this as another chapter, if you will. And that that's highlights uh, a, a big disconnect, I think, that exists in the tech world between shop technicians and, and mobile and field technicians is this need for more perspective. There's people of every single color and every single capability doing this, some great and some good and some maybe not so good. Uh, and the need to brand and distinguish falls out of that. But I think you'll see that overall in the tech world, there's two very bifurcated camps who supposedly never the twain shall meet. But that school gave me a lot of perspective about who's standing on both sides of that fence and, and that they're much more similar than, than they might otherwise think. Do you find a, a big difference between people who work for dealerships and people who work on their own? I can't say I've met everybody that works for a dealership, right? And I, I can't say I've met everybody who's mobile. If we, if we veer into the realm of gross generalization, yes, I would say there is a, probably a, quite a difference uh, between the dealership folks, many of whom are fantastic at what they do, and the mobile folks, many of whom are very new, many of whom are very brave. They're taking on an entirely new career, doing it mobile, doing their own billing, doing their own marketing, 
doing their own actual repair and taking on the liability of that. Parts research and receiving and shipping and bill paying and whatnot. It's a fantastic set of challenges. And if there's, if there's any opportunity out there for them, it's, it's going to be in managing that, that circus and those monkeys. And I think that's where maybe the perspective falls a little short in the respect and the honoring how much it really takes in terms of bravery and a very broad set of skills to do that and do it well. Did you have any experience with RVs before you went into training? Sure. I had a lot of experience having owned them for many years and having fixed everything about them for many years. But I think what you'll, what you'll get out of that class, or at least I can only speak to what I got out of that class, was a structure in terms of tackling something from a troubleshooting perspective and appreciation for how all of that stuff works together as a system, how the 12 volt runs the brains of everything and the 120 volts does the heavy lifting in, in most cases, but not all is the perspective of, of what it takes to tackle that RV problem might have four, five different causes. And it's the customer who's looking over your shoulder the entire time, manage their expectations and, and uh, treat their RV with respect and, and help them feel both respected and educated at the end of the service call. That's a very good point to have to maintain that kind of level of professionalism can be difficult, especially if you have a purple monkey problem that you just can't seem to figure out how to get around. Yes, it can. Uh, uh, there are resources available, but one of the challenges is when you're out in the field and you're not in a shop that's dry and warm and well lit and has Wi-Fi, you're out in the grass, in the rain, in the dark and you have no online coverage, you can have 35,000 service manuals available on your phone or your tablet, but it, you can't get to any good. That would be a challenge for sure. Uh, <laughs> did you find the, tra the training difficult? Uh, personally, no. I thought the training was comprehensive, certainly. I found the instructors to be fantastic. Without exception, the instructors had been in the field had run their own successful operations and were extremely willing to speak after class at lunchtime. And if you're smart, you avail them of that offer to go out back after a class, after a long day and take a couple of windows out of an RV so you can see how it's done, that sort of thing. Uh, I would, I'd advise anybody going through the school to take advantage of the instructors more than just during the class time. Did you maintain any relationships with the other students or the instructors after leaving? Absolutely, yeah. One of the, probably one of the biggest benefits is having a relationship with the instructors and with some of the other students. Uh, obviously, I can't keep up with 150 or 200 people, but there was a small core of folks, probably seven or eight, who are out there really doing crazy different things between Alaska and Key West and South Dakota and some who are mobile and traveling all over the country all the time. And we're always sharing those experiences to just to get to know more things uh, as quickly as we can. You had mentioned some of the business aspects of being a mobile service technician, doing the invoicing and things like that. Did you find those to be challenging to pick up those kind of skills or did you have that already? Uh, it's a good, that's a good question. That's a great question. So I guess because of my unique background, I had been doing 
enterprise resource planning ERP systems for global companies for 40 years. So I was very familiar with business process, the life cycle of an order from a lead to, to an estimate, to an invoice and all of the uh, steps in between manufacturing and service delivery. But that's a huge challenge for a lot of people. And I see a tremendous opportunity to platform that and provide it and provide business management services to a lot of the people coming out of the, coming out of all of the schools, actually. A lot of them have a love for fixing things and they want to walk up and fix things. They need someone who's maintaining their inventory. What needs to be on their truck? Is it on it? Cutting the invoice, getting the invoice delivered, collecting the payment, doing the books. We see a lot of two-person teams, maybe husband and wife teams, uh, tackling this sort of thing, and they do a great job at it. But it's probably easily a 50-50 job, just all of the work, doing the bookkeeping and the parts research and parts ordering. Heaven forbid you need to return something. That's another life cycle of an order. And, and I think that could probably be templatized and, and offered fairly attractively to a large number of people. Have you started doing that? Actually, we have. We've uh, custom developed our own platform. We're doing a lot of automation. We have automated scheduling. We're, we're going to get into uh, automated dispatch. We're going to grow that. We're looking for a second region already. I would say it's the complexity of it. And the difficulty of it are entirely predicated on your goals. If you just want to do a job or two a day or make, make some mistake money doing this, you absolutely can. But if you want to establish a going concern, maybe have a facility or really tackle an area, you need to put a tremendous amount into your platform and your marketing. And if you want to go multi-regional, that's another whole set of challenges as well. I found that to be true with a lot of inspectors and mobile service technicians. They are good with their hands. They love to get in there and inspect things. They love to get in there and diagnose a problem and then figure out what needs to be fixed and get it done. But when it comes to the business side, sometimes it's way over their head. They love to do the fixing aspect. So a lot of their day is caught up in that but they also need to pay attention to that invoicing aspect and the inventory so they can continue to do that. So are you helping other RV technicians to do this? We're preparing to do that. We have investor interest in taking this multi-regional and possibly national. It dovetails in with a lot of frustrated RV owners and the right to repair laws that are coming into play. So without opening the kimono too far, I'd, I would just say, yes, we're looking to, to platform this. We're looking to white label both a financial platform and a scheduling platform, as well as a marketing approach and try to help as many people as we can, to be honest, because we see the frustration in the RV owners. Certainly every time we go into an RV park, we can't get away without being approached and, and getting a very sad story about someone's experience with their RV or their last service, or both. And the frustration on the technician's side, the mobile techs especially, is not being able to help as many people as they could, but their phone is still ringing off the hook. And it's just all of the drudgery of the business side and the administrator that really takes them away from being able to help more people. 
I like that term, administrivia. I'd never heard of that before, but it is so apt for what goes on in the business aspect of many of the things that people do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what did it take for you to get your business set up and get started? I don't know that I would say we're set up. It's been a year and, and we've exceeded all of our financial targets, but I, I don't know that I'll ever consider us to be set up. I think that depends again on your goals. If we wanted to get a few jobs and just make a little extra money, we could have been set up in a few weeks, but we're setting up a telephony platform. We're setting up a marketing platform, setting up an ERP financial and books system, a scheduling system, something that can be repeated, if you will, cookie cuttered for other companies that have a tech or other companies that have 12 techs and is scalable and repeatable and affordable. That all takes uh, some doing, and, and maybe I should say, I hate to say it depends. It's, it, again, depends on your goals and what you're looking to get done with your business. How did you find your first clients? Driving around. If I had any advice for burgeoning new techs, it's get out of the house. We'll hear from technicians in a given region. One will say, I haven't had a call in six months, and one will say, I'm, I'm busier than I can handle Print up a bunch of business cards, drive around to all of the campgrounds in your area, and don't forget Camping World and the other big guys because they send us, initially they sent us 80% of our business in the first three months. And then as our marketing started to take off and we overcame some of the challenges with Google, it got to more of a 50-50. And now I would say we're probably about 80-20, but a majority of that uh, 20 still comes from Camping World and a couple of the other big players in the region. So they are outsourcing jobs to mobile technicians? Absolutely. Yeah, they don't have a, uh, a mobile capability, at least not in the Chattanooga region. We have seen a van uh, that they wrapped that, to have Camping World mobile service uh, on it. But that was uh, several years ago. We've not seen it deployed. And honestly, we're able to work at a margin that probably wouldn't match their financial goals for the rest of the organization. I'm not sure I would look for them to get into this space anytime soon, but my crystal ball is hazy sometimes, so don't dare predict. I think it's great news just to hear that the dealerships are willing to outsource some jobs to mobile service technicians, because when this whole business started, the dealerships really took a, an approach where this could be the enemy. They may be coming in there and competing with us for business, but it just confirms for me that there's so much business out there that the dealerships themselves can't even handle it. They need people like you uh, and other mobile service technicians to help them service their own customers adequately. Yeah. It's driven by a couple of populations of RV owners. There's a very rapidly growing population of owners who live in their RVs and they may live in a large fifth wheel and they have it placed on a property, but they do not own a vehicle and they cannot move it, but they have an issue with it. And Camping World knows they want to refer somebody good, somebody of, of quality that's going to go and take care of that issue. And we'd make us and them look good if we're able to do that. We do get a lot of complaints when we go on site about dealers, about service facilities, and we just remind people each time, we're not going to say anything bad about the dealers or anything bad about the facilities. They provide us a tremendous amount of work, 
and they referred us to you and, and we're here to help. But I think you'll find there are multiple camps in each of the large organizations that either do or, or do not like mobile technicians and consider us to be competition or not. But at least uh, for now, it's a pretty symbiotic relationship. Did you have to do any advertising or special marketing? Yes, we started several marketing programs, actually. We probably spend over $1,000 a month on marketing currently. There are several things that are more or less successful. We've done uh, radio advertising campaigns. Of course, we do a lot of Google ads. We do a lot of Facebook ads. We do advertising on the maps that are handed out at the large uh, RV parks. That's brilliant. Typically, we only do that on the ones where the clients are transitory. So again, getting back to multiple populations, the radio ads are going to hit the folks who live in their RVs and live here year round. The other population that comes through the heaviest in the summertime is the family campers. And the populations that come through heavily in the spring and the fall are the retired set in the class A's and the large fifth wheels who are, I call it harvest hosting from Idaho to Florida. And they're passing through and they're going to pass through twice a year. And there's an annuity value to bringing them on as a good customer because you'll see them hopefully at least twice a year when they're coming through if you make a good impression. That's a very good point. Have you been encountered any really big surprises in the field while you've been doing some of these repairs? I've, I've encountered a couple of big surprises in the industry. The biggest one, the limit that Google places on mobile companies it's very difficult to be a mobile service company in Google because Google has a limited number of industry types you can select. And one is you, you, the closest you can get is to be an automotive repair shop, for instance, where you need a storefront and you have to send them photos and videos of your actual store. And that's not very accurate for us because we're mobile. And we don't have a facility, so it becomes very difficult to get your Google business profile approved. And some people have, have gotten banned by selecting the wrong industry type and had to contact a Google partner for help getting that undone. Uh, the other one is for those who wish to be mobile and to travel around and to establish service locations in Google, it takes quite some time for Google to make you appear in the search results on Google Maps or in Google Search after you land in a new service location. And the saying is, the best place to hide a dead body is on the second page of Google results. And when you're on page 10 or more, the likelihood of you getting any kind of call for RV repairs is pretty slim. I had not heard of limitations being put on mobile service companies. That is something I think we need to look at even more and maybe even bring somebody from Google onto the show to explain what they should be doing instead. Yeah, we've worked with a couple of Google partners and reached out to them to get them to possibly expand their base because, of course, it would apply for mobile services of other kinds, mobile welders, mobile plumbers, mobile electricians, people who do not have a facility or an address or a storefront for customers to visit. So do you recommend this kind of work for full or part-time technicians? That's a great big depends <laughs> on, on the front of the sentence and on the, on the back of it. This kind of work, uh, there, there's so many elements to, to this kind of work. Um, do you want to do 
fuller part-time. Do you want to focus on the R part of RV? So the recreational part. So people will ask, can you fix the dashboard air conditioning in my class A motorhome or fix my Allison transmission? No, we're the R part of the recreational vehicle. So think of your air conditioning and your refrigerator and your water heater and anything to do with that or the suspension of your travel trailer. We're on it. But if it's the airbag suspension of your class A and it requires something that can lift 26,000 pounds to work on it, we're not doing that in the grass alongside the highway kind of thing. And, and it totally depends on who you are as a person. If you are confident, you can do this, but you can do just about anything anyway. Confidence is a tremendous work trait. And are you willing to be responsible and accountable for the quality of your work and, and to customers who maybe aren't always polite and reasonable? It's a big risk. It's a risk that keeps, I think, a lot of shop techs in the shop. And it's a, and it's a risk that keeps a lot of people from getting in into it just out of fear. So I would at least say have no fear, but know your limits and know your goals. Are you able to fix things in front of someone looking over your shoulder who's worried about how much it's costing them? Excellent point. If you had to start over again, is there anything you'd do differently? No, not at all. Not at all. Actually, I'm very happy with the work. I'm very happy with, with how it's going. I think, I think I wouldn't change a thing. Maybe I'd spend a little more on advertising than, than I did prior, but that's, that's a little bit of Monday morning quarterbacking too. People can't see the two of us talking, but I can see you on video and it looks like you've got a uniform. Has that been something that you've done since day one? It is. We've established branding colors, branding. Uh, we, we've set up an entire trade show booth. We attend the uh, Chattanooga RV Super Show every year just to get our name out there. People are still uh, amazed that we exist. So it's. I thought I was doing a good job of marketing, but but clearly I need to do better. Yes, we have we have branding colors, branding materials, you name it. The invoices, the estimates, everything has a consistent look and feel just to try to build confidence in our customer base that we're an established company and professional at what we do. Do you have any advice for a brand new or an experienced RV technician about getting into the mobile side of the business? Again, I would say know your goals and know your limits. Are you going to be able to tackle the billing side of things? Are you going to be able to be responsive? My goodness, one of the biggest complaints and one of the biggest expressions of surprise we get is you answered the fall and it's terrible to be meeting low expectations because that tells me the industry is very immature, but getting someone to answer the phone shouldn't be our differentiation from the rest. We do have a, a receptionist who answers the phone. We have a full-time scheduling person who's keeping all the techs going. We're adding more technicians. The biggest challenge has been finding talent. If you can be that talent, if you can be reliable and responsive and pick up the phone, uh, if you can go to a job, get it started, need to go away for parts, but come back, that seems to also be quite a differentiating factor, being reliable and accountable. Then you could be successful in this business, but 
I would say you could be successful in any business if you could just be reliable and accountable. There's nothing different about being an RV tech at all that wouldn't help you succeed in just about every single job out there nowadays. Did you hire a receptionist and scheduler, or did you outsource them to other people, other independent workers? I did initially hire, and, and we had some turnover, so I've actually outsourced that, and we're using virtual professionals for a lot of things now, because if we hearken back to a little earlier in the conversation where I need to make it affordable and scalable, I need it to work for a person who only needs part of an assistant, and I need it to work for someone who needs 10 assistants. And having hired and fired on six continents in the last 35 years, I can't be worried about finding talent, about training and onboarding and cross-training and all of that. I need to outsource that component to another firm. That's great. So you found these, how'd you find them, the, the outsourced people? Uh, through networking. So one of the things we did is we joined uh, the Chattanooga Small Business Network and a bunch of other networks as part of getting our name out there first and trying to meet other professionals. We knew we would need talents. We knew we would need printing capabilities. I knew I needed a Google partner. And we found all of those through this small business network. That's excellent. So it's all local people that you're working with, which also helps then to spread the word. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. good. This has been... Uh, very informative, Alan. I really appreciate it. You've offered a lot of great advice and things that technicians need to think about as they enter this business. So I appreciate you for sharing that information with us today. I do hope it's been helpful. And again, I want to thank you for having me on the show. We really appreciate it and love what you're doing. So keep up the great work. How can people connect with you if they'd like to speak with you about your business or some of the ideas that you have? They can connect with us on our website at www.rovinghandyman.com, or they can call us toll-free at 855-878-7765. Super. Thank you again, Alan. I appreciate your time today and wish you the best of luck going forward. Thank you. I found Alan Look's perspective on becoming a mobile RV technician to be very interesting especially his vision for developing a network of independent technicians under the roving handyman brand. Alan is working with investors and other partners to create a platform to help those independent business owners with scheduling and the financial aspects of operating a successful business. His primary goal is to help reduce the level of administrivia that business owners must wade through every week. If Alan were going to provide any advice to new mobile RV technicians, it would be to get out of their house and just drive around. He suggests they print up a bunch of business cards and drop them off at campgrounds in the area. Doing that brought in 80% of roving handyman's business when he was just getting started. Today, Alan and his brother are so busy they can't handle all the demand for repair services. He also suggests networking with other RV dealers in the area who cannot provide mobile service to their customers especially to those RVers who live in their rigs full-time and are reluctant to leave them at a repair facility. One of the biggest surprises Alan has discovered is the difficulty mobile RV technicians have in getting Google to recognize their businesses. That's because the mobile technicians don't have a physical location and can't provide a storefront. Therefore, Google doesn't see the company as being legitimate. 
That's what's motivating Allen to expand RV Handyman to other regions in the country just to give mobile service technicians an opportunity to connect with clients wherever they may be. People who want to connect with Allen either for repair services on their own rigs or as business owners interested in joining his online network should visit www.rovinghandyman.com. Today's episode is sponsored by the National RV Training Academy in Athens, Texas. The Academy's one-week live training or home study course will teach you everything you need to know to fix about 80% of the problems people experience with their RVs. You can also sign up for additional training to become an RV inspector, campground technician, or to provide mobile RV service. For more information, visit www.nrvta.com. That's all for this week's show. Next time, I'll be interviewing the membership director for the National RV Inspectors Association and the RV Technician Association of America about the upcoming NRVTA Expo. The virtual event takes place in October to provide continuing education credits for technicians and inspectors. I'll have that interview on the next episode of RV Tech Talk. Thank you for listening.